Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Borough Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting week we have had just all the way across the complex of these grain markets. We're going to really dive into what's going on in this cattle market because that is the water cooler slash sale barn discussions that you are hearing this week. Now, on the grain side of the trade, we've got some higher corn on a Friday afternoon. Lower on those soybeans and the wheat market is is pushing to get some higher numbers, especially when you look at that Minneapolis contract. We're going to get all the details as we're going to start on the cattle side of everything today as we are being joined by Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors and want to start out talking about this cattle market. And is there a reversal going on right now in this trade, Darren? Well, it's really hard to know because while we backed off the highs from yesterday, we had some follow through selling today. Uh, you can't really confirm a top. You don't have enough price confirming action. So could we be making a top and be falling from current levels? We could, or we could have one more probe higher into that 167 to 172 area of June. I think what's important for all the listeners to know is this is a terminal wave, meaning it is a wave that's going to terminate at some point. So this move higher that we're seeing in cattle is going to end at some point. I'm not saying it's today, but when it ends, I think we come straight down because cattle have a tendency to go up, 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 and then not plateau, but come back down, down, down. And so I think there's a lot of risk to the producer, and I think a lot of people should be a little bit nervous given what feeder cattle prices are bringing at the sale barns. So let's talk about that sale barn price because, man, I tell you, I have seen more social media posts, especially on Twitter in the last two days of this is what's bringing at this barn, this is what's bringing at that barn. And I try to pencil it out, as you and I were talking, before the corn even goes into that animal, there's a lot of invested into those, you know, four to 600-pound calves. Oh, there sure is. You know, the feeder prices for May uh, out through, let's say, October are already at this 205 to two. 25 to 30 area but at the the sale barns they're bringing more than that and so a lot of times when a guy is buying an 800 850 pounder to put in his feed yard you're talking about 1800 to maybe as much as two thousand dollars before you get any other expense in them and my concern is is hey if the fats stay strong hey fine no problem i think old crop corn is probably trading in a range even though we see china in today to buy corn and and that's what really spurred the corn higher as well as some weather forecasts for Kansas City wheat. It really brought everything alive. But when you get down to it, if fats go higher, feeders have good value here. But if fats get in trouble, and in the combination of that, if corn goes higher because China buys more, I mean, we could really see a collapse in feeder cattle prices. So where do we go from here? I mean, as, as a cattle producer, they want to have those those animals in the feedlot. As a, as a cow-calf guy, you want to get the higher prices. Where do we go from here? I think it's day by day. I mean, as a cattle feeder and, you know, about every guy that owns a feed yard's about been broke three times, right? That's just the nature of the business. But, you know, they understand the risk. But the real risk to me is if fats start falling out of bed, uh, those feeders are not going to stay where you paid for them. You know, you, you paid $2,000. Well, you can buy them a lot cheaper once they come down and you need to hedge those off. So I I think a a feed yard owner managing risk needs to have the fat secured when this thing rolls over, but also have puts under the feeder cattle market because you really don't want to own that inventory for the next three to four or five months as you feed it out to a fat animal 
you want to hedge that inventory off. And the best way I know is to be long puts, maybe even some calls sold above the market on the feeder cattle side of things. So let's put the consumer hat on. Um, they're seeing all this talk of higher prices. They're looking at what it's costing to buy hamburger or a steak at the at the meat counter, and they're looking across the aisle at at, at pork, at lamb, at at poultry, thinking, "Yeah, well, I might be having to do a little veering to the right to make some purchases." No, that's that's absolutely right, Susan. I'm glad you brought that up because. We know that, that the cattle production is down 10% year over year. We know the numbers are tight. They're probably going to get tighter into the fourth quarter and probably not completely finish off until first quarter of 24. That's when the highs could come in this market. But what really will make the high in this market is if you see the consumer back away. We've already seen export demand wane a little bit with these higher prices. And the best cure for high prices is high prices. And so if we see the housewife go to the store, plenty of poultry out here, plenty of pork out here, and cheaper values. And if she decides to switch away from beef to some of these cheaper alternatives as far as protein for a family that will put the top in the cattle market and so far we haven't seen that but i think that's what bears watching here we also look at the fact that uh we hear a lot about tight supplies this tight supply is not going to be a nearby fix you're you're even talking into 2024 possibly Oh, yeah, with gestation the way it is and the fact that you got to retain heifers to expand. I mean, this is an ongoing problem, and I've been looking for a break. Usually you have a seasonal top in February, March in that time frame. But this is extraordinary because some of the problems we had in the northern part of the feeding uh, region where we had, um, you know, some death loss, we had poor weight gains, we have smaller numbers coming out of there, and the immediate tightness that we thought would be later in the year has happened earlier because of some of that. But it's going to be with us for a while. We just got to see how the demand side goes because that is what really can kill this thing if we see the domestic user turn away from it. What about from the hog perspective? I and mean, we, we saw some higher numbers for a Friday afternoon. Yeah, we did. But I think that's just a technical bounce. You know, hogs have really done a lot of chart damage and the fundamentals aren't that spiffy for them. Uh, compared to the the B side. And so a lot of people were kind of bullish pork, you know, a month or two ago, but nothing changes sentiment like price. And uh, the the charts have been really walloped. And so I I think this is just a dead cat bounce, uh, maybe a four or five dollar bounce that a guy could sell. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we get ready for the second half of the Friday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll take a look at the grain side of everything that's been happening. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we're here to help you stay one step ahead during the coming growing season. With reliable local expertise. Fontenelle offers personal service and expert advice that comes from knowing local conditions. Agronomic support. We give you the agronomic tools to help you make informed decisions every step of the way. And if you're still making seed decisions, your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer has a good supply of locally proven varieties. Fontenelle, solutions you need, relationships you trust. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. On this Friday, we're continuing our conversation coming from Darren Fry with Water Street Advisors. We kind of talked the whole front half about what's going on in this cattle market. And I kind of wanted to start from a grain perspective. You got corn guys out there that are saying, hey, we're, we're here. We're ready to start feeding these cattle, but we need some more money, too. Yeah, the, the corn guys are still holding on to old crop, obviously, hoping that China keeps buying and 
we know the basis out west, especially where all this livestock feeding is taking place, it is really a risk to the, to the feed yard because if you don't have your basis locked in, we know you don't have a lot of feed wheat competing. And, hey, there's a shortage of corn out west. We know a lot of corn had to move from east to west. And so, uh, you know, the corn bulls are holding out hope here. Uh, I think that we're at a critical juncture. This May corn, I think, is more of a trading range uh, as well as July, probably between the six and a quarter and seven dollar area. We kind of bumped up against resistance here today in that 665 area May. If we hold here, I'm still looking down if we don't get much higher than where we currently are. But um, we saw some excitement in corn. There's no question about it with China coming in. These are new purchases and uh, they're trying to get some get some corn secured and they've been doing that on a regular basis over the last six weeks so is there some nervousness when you look at china and i know that they are watching like we all are what's going on between ukraine and russia with that may 18th deadline coming about is china going to be kind of closely watching that as well to say okay if something doesn't go right i may have to switch more to the united states for grain well that that could be the outcome for sure susan and and it, you know, who can say, but I know that China and Russia have kind of buddied up uh, behind the scenes. And to be honest, I, I think China will help Russia understand how critical that corridor is for them to stay open. So somehow I think that gets worked out. But certainly um, China isn't dumb about marketing. They're very good marketers and they're probably some, securing some things just in case they don't have the leverage they need to keep that open. But I think that is a big part of it. Are you nervous for this wheat complex or maybe uneasy as you see what's going on with lack of coming out of dormancy? Well, the Kansas City wheat crop is in terrible shape, and we know it's confined to kind of western, southwestern Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, a little bit up in Nebraska as well. And, yeah, it is a concern. I think the dormancy, uh, you know, issue and not tillering and having no rain and high winds, high heat, that is a problem, and we're going to see probably greater abandonment. And we're going to see the spreads move where Kansas City continues to gain on Chicago. I think the problem for the wheat complex in general is more of a spread issue because the soft red winter wheat is in excellent condition and it's a big crop coming. So it's going to be hard to take Chicago up with Kansas City. So I think that spread's going to get greater uh, either by pulling Chicago down or keeping Kansas City elevated. What are you looking forward to in this in this spring market trade that we're going to see for grains? Well, if, if, if I'm looking down in new crop, because if we see weather cooperate, the snowpack come off northwest and we don't have a bunch of new rain that causes a lot of flooding, I think PP will be minimal, maybe a million to a million and a half acres at the most. And we'll get this crop in the ground. The, the overall weather pattern uh, is really conducive to bigger yields this year as we move from La Nina to El Nino. So I, I'm really looking for rallies to be sold here uh, on any opportunities that the market gives us. And so I'm pretty bearish here as we move into spring without a major weather problem. So can corn hold off beans in this acre war? Well, I think I think part of the, the market today with new crop corn coming up and, and new crop beans coming down is trying to secure those acres, right? 
because we know the acreage is smaller for beans. I really think the, the farmer with the insurance guarantee is going to plant that 92 million minus PP acres. So I'm kind of thinking 90 and a half and 87 and a half will kind of be those numbers I'm looking at. And I think the corn's trying to make sure that it doesn't lose more than a million half acres here. And that's probably what got into the trade somewhat today for new crop. Well, as we get ready to head into this third week of April, what are some key things that you're going to be watching grain or livestock side into this coming week? I think two things on the grain side. Let's see where wheat goes because this Kansas City class and the drought out west is um, really uh, concerning. So that's a big deal. So that's going to have an effect on corn. But if that settles down and corn continues to head lower with good planting, uh, then I don't think there's a big concern there. On the cattle side, I think we're close to a top. Um, I don't know where that top is. And when I say close, I don't necessarily mean in price. I really mean in um, in time. So could we go five bucks higher, seven bucks higher in June cattle? Sure. But that could happen two or three days and then we crash and burn. I just worry about the time element here, how bullish everyone is. It's going to go higher. And we got plenty of pork, plenty of poultry out here to compete. And when we see that domestic demand drop off, this could be a top in place for six, seven months. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can call us at the office toll free at 866-249-2528 or look me up on Twitter. I'm at uh, Fry underscore WSS. And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.